and welcome to Sweet Baby Gay, a podcast about queer stories and a place to learn about the community. My name is Abby. I am your host. Today I have a great interview for you guys with Samantha. She is the late lesbian curiosity coach. We had such a great interview. I'm so excited to get into this one. Samantha, we mostly talked about compulsive heterosexuality. Um, She focuses on women who come out later in life and helping them realize their sexuality and take the steps they need to to realize their sexuality and live the life that they want to live and be fully true to themselves. But I do believe that everything that Samantha has to offer is great for the entire queer community. I think that as a whole, we all really are affected from compulsive heterosexuality and all of these norms, both gender and sexual, that society puts on us, especially right now with everything going on with all the Florida bills and the Texas bills and how they're just kind of trying to undermine our community and how we really can as a community and as individuals tackle this issue and help raise the next generation to not have these norms on them so they are not confused and disconnected with their own bodies, which is just really important. I I know I can relate to this as a bisexual that came out in their adulthood. I think no matter when you came out, no matter when you realize that you're queer, you can probably relate to how society has put these norms on you. This is just a great interview. I'm so excited to get into it. Definitely one of my favorites. But before we do, I do want to let you guys know that I have my Patreon up and going. So excited about that. Um, I got my Patreon up and going yesterday. Right now, all of the tiers are just for support. We are not doing any extra content consistently, though there will be some coming out every once in a while just for Patreons only. Um, That will include next week, I am going to be putting out an episode with Reed and I, um, just chit-chatting. Reed does these constantly around all days, they'll just ask me random questions and we just, I, we answer them and we have a great time. And so we are talking about making that a segment or a podcast of its own. So I am going to be putting that on Patreon as a sample just to see how people like. So if you want to have access to that next week, go ahead on Patreon. You can find that on my Instagram in the bio. Instagram is Sweet Baby Gay Pod. Um, or I also have my website up and going so you can find sweetbabygay.com. So excited about all that. It has been quite a week, me getting all that set up and it just all looks great if I do say so myself so I do want to give a shout out to our current patreons we have Charlie um Corey and Sarah Sarah's actually my roommate fun fact um but we have those three as patreons right now so I want to give them a little shout out and thank you guys so much for helping out and supporting the podcast all right let's get into it thank you guys hi would you like to introduce yourself to for the sure. audience? Yes. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Samantha Fox. I'm a sexuality coach and a licensed marriage and family therapist in New York State. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> yes. Um, which part? Where in New York State are you? Um, I'm in New York City, actually. Oh, wow. That's really great. Um, cool. Yeah. Let's just jump right into it. I have so many questions for you and everything. Can you tell me like about how you got started and what you're doing and everything? Yeah. So, uh, well, I've got my own personal story. So, um, I was married to a man. I got married when I was 27. I had three children. And by the time I was 32, I realized that I was gay. Um, I met somebody and um, ended up leaving my marriage. Took three years to go through that process. I had very little babies at the time, um, and came out and so started that that journey along with going to school to become a therapist at the same time. And um, immediately when I started my private practice, I uh, had a group on my website, which was called Curious Questioning and Coming Out. And I really wanted to work with women that were curious, questioning and coming out. I had gone through it. I wanted to help people. And being in New York, New York City, it was a little bit hard for me to find um, like a cohesive group of women um, that were able to meet on the same night and to get a space. And it just never really came. It just didn't gel, essentially. And 
so I've been a therapist in private practice for many years, working with women that were contacting me because they were interested in the group, but the group was not running. And so I worked with many women who were coming out later. And during the pandemic, I realized, oh, I'm seeing everybody online. And now I could essentially work with people globally. And so I realized through coaching that I would be able to um, to start a program to help women that were coming out later in life. I, I specialize in working with women who are coming out later after marriage, but really any time is okay as well. Um, after just a lifetime of having been with men and... I started a coaching um, program and business and I'm working with women all over. So it's really, it's come full circle for me. Yes. That's so amazing. Um, can I ask though, what's the difference between coaching and therapy? Um, coaching is a little bit more directive. It's not, um, it's not based on like a diagnosis. It's not like, okay, you have clinical depression and here are the interventions we're going to use for you. Um, coaching is a little bit more directive. People, it, people can get results with coaching and kind of moves through things faster. Um, and it's a little bit more, I would say guided, whereas in therapy, I kind of sit back and let people come in with their material and work with them where they are and help them gain tools that they need to move through their life and, and of course, reach the goals that they want to so they can have fulfilling lives and relationships and all of that. In coaching, it's a little bit more directive in that in my particular coaching program, I have modules. Uh, so it's a curriculum that women um, come in. I have group and individual coaching programs and women come in and kind of um, do very focused, condensed uh, modules where they learn about um, how their emotions work, um, compulsory heterosexuality, internalized homophobia, um, labeling, um, you know, um, how they feel about sex and just very specific things that they come in, they gain the tools through, and then they go out into the world with it. So it's, it's just more, I would say it's like more focused uh, than somebody who come in, comes into therapy and is wanting to explore their family of origin and how that affected them. Um, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love coaching. So we've had um, another coach on our, on our podcast before um, Amber and she does mindset coaching. So reworking your mindset and everything. And I love coaching because you can find someone for your very specific thing that has an expertise in a very specific thing, which I know you could do for therapy, but it seems to be a lot harder. Whereas therapy, you just kind of go and like talk about your problems, but like I've talked with Amber so much and it's very much like I look at your life and I kind of give you instructions that you need kind of like exactly yeah. directive. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Do you want to talk about, why don't you go ahead and explain heter uh, compulsive heterosexuality? Cause we have discussed that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So compulsory heterosexuality is essentially a social construct um, that has been placed upon really everybody worldwide um, in, in seemingly all societies where the moment you're born, depending on what kind of genitals you have, there are social constructs that are placed upon you. And so being born female, being, being born with a vagina, the moment you're born, you are a girl. And that means that you are going to have a certain set number of events that are going to take place in your life. And everybody's excited. Oh my God, it's a girl. <sighs> she's going to be a mother one day and she's going to make an amazing wife and she's going to be the best daughter. And right. So just all of these ideas about what's going to happen for the rest of your life, the moment you're born, because you were born female and I similarly for males, right? I specialize in working with women, but it's, it's not different for men. Um, there's a set, um, a set bunch of expectations that are placed upon you. And so what happens is a lot of the women that I work with 
have not had representation for same-sex couples or any other sexualities other than heterosexuality. And so they grow up and they just follow the path because they want to make their family members happy and they want to make their community happy. And um, and this is echoed, right? It's echoed in, in novels and it's echoed in film and it's echoed in commercials and um, it's echoed by, you know, religion. And so there are all these, um, it's like an echo chamber where just all around you, it's like heterosexuality, heterosexuality, this is the way to go. Um, this is the one path, um, which makes you good. You know, you're going to be good if you do all of this. And so, um, yeah, a lot of the women that I work with that are coming out later, they've already been with men for, you know, 35 years or 40 years. They never thought about their sexuality. Um, they never were curious about it. Even if they had little crushes here and there on women, they've just dismissed them um, as, you know, whatever, like a passing feeling. They never got curious about it. And so they find themselves in, find themselves in marriages and later in life, they feel uh, unfulfilled and they start to realize, you know, wow, you know, I'm attracted to women and now what do I do? Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah. That really um, also resonates with, so my partner is non-binary and so it kind of also resonates with not only your sexuality, but also your gender expression. And like, sometimes it's, it's also that you just don't even know that it's an option. Like, um, you just grew up with your parents putting you in pink. And so you're just like, I guess I like pink. I've never even thought about it. And like, so it also doesn't even have to do with like sex. Sometimes it also has to do with what you like in the world and how you like show yourself in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is a weird, this is like kind of jumping way ahead, but do you find that a lot of your um, clients tend to be bisexual or lesbian? Or like somewhere in between queer in some way, more fluid, or did they tend to be like lesbian and they have like kind of just cut that off? Yeah. Um, so I'd say there's probably a range. Um, I have some clients who knew when they were 12, you know, um, when they were early coming into their adolescence, they knew that they liked girls, but that was just not acceptable anywhere around them and it wasn't okay. And so they went the route of compulsory heterosexuality and married a man and might've told their husband that they think they're gay early on in the marriage, but decided that that's not that important and they've already had children. And so they're just going to keep going along, along, along. Typically what happens when someone like has this sexuality and they know about it and they are not expressing it is that over time you start to have some mental health issues. Um, and so there's depression and there's anxiety. And so sometimes I see women who are at the point where like they're really starting to get very depressed or have tons of anxiety and they're not really able to function and then they come out. So some of those women come out as lesbian because they've known all along. I think a lot of women have a really hard time with the word lesbian, which I'm always so curious about because um, I identify as a lesbian and I really like that word and I always have, but I know a lot of women, <laughs> a lot of women don't like that yeah. word and that's okay. Um, so a lot of women have difficulty with labels and I really like to just offer not straight as a label <laughs> for women that are just starting to notice their attraction to you know, same sex to other women. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to bring up my partner again, just because since they're non-binary, they kind of like, I feel like they relate to this a lot. Um, but they identify as queer with their sexuality because it doesn't put a firm label on it They're They say that they say queer because it's more fluid than saying bisexual, gay, or one specific thing. And they like that, that it's not specific and they're not kind of cornered into something. Yes. I find that a lot of people don't want to identify as a particular label. And I love queer for that. Yeah. I think queer can be the queer is sort of like the more mature, not straight, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but to me, queer is so specious. It's just that some women that have identified as straight for their entire lives, they have a hard time 
jumping into queer. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of expectations when you put the word queer on it. Like you think of queer and you think of a very kind of specific person and a very specific type of way that people express their sexuality and everything. And um, that's obviously not true. And I'm sure that people that have been identifying as straight, they kind of don't want to put that like, okay, now I have more expectations on myself and everything. Exactly. Yeah. What, um, when people are having that struggle, what are some of the expectations that they are like struggling with or misconceptions about coming out as queer versus like not straight? What are some like misconceptions for them? Yeah. So queer, it's like, they're too old to be queer. Um, that queer is something that's like a younger person's term. I've, I've heard this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is, is it? I like, I don't know. I'm only 25. So I'm like, is it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, so I'm 53 and you know, I identify also as queer, um, you know, lesbian and queer, um, yeah. kind of like all in there. Yeah. So, you know, but for some women, I think just that have always identified as straight, it feels like, um, I don't know, just like too out there for them. It's like, it's yeah. too much. It's too much, too fast. Queer is just too much, too much, too fast. Not straight for them feels a lot more spacious. And some of them really, they they feel like, well, I must be bisexual because I've been with a man and I'm 40. So if I want to now be with women, but I've only been with men, aren't I bisexual? And so, I mean, you know, it's, 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 yeah. I mean, they get, they get kind of caught in that. What do you do with people that are struggling with the label and also specifically trying to figure out if they actually are attracted to men and they're bisexual or if their attraction to men is just kind of, I don't want to say brainwash, but like kind of like brainwash or it's like, they've just been told that they are attracted their whole life. Yeah. I mean, so, I, I mean, I think that's really, you know, that's part of the damaging effects of the social construct of compulsory heterosexuality, right? Because people disconnect from their, um, like their core feeling of, of sexual excitement and, and, you know, what is really real for them. So I think that's, it's actually like a pretty difficult spot. Um, though I do think that, it does take time to have the answer to that when you're coming out later, right? So if you've only ever been with men, maybe you've had partners that you've really enjoyed having sex with. And, um, you know, I mean, some women who are gay still have orgasms with men. I mean, it's, 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 it's not like a clear cut, you know, there's only one yeah. way and one answer here. Right. So yeah. Just because you might still enjoy the um, the act doesn't necessarily mean that you're definitely bisexual, um, you know, or you're straight. Um, I think there's just a lot of space. There's a lot of fluidity. There's a lot of nuance. And until you've actually had an experience with the same sex, so until you until you've actually been with women, how can you know? how that's going to feel and how you're going to end up identifying five years down the road um, after you've decided that maybe you've said, well, I think I'm bisexual. I've been attracted to men for 30 years, but now I'm attracted to women and I've been with women for five years. Um, I think it really comes down to like, who do you want to be with? Like, do you want to, are you still, do you still check out guys? Are you still interested in guys? Are you only checking out guys because of compulsory heterosexuality and what we've been taught, which is that attention from the from men and getting the male gaze means that you are worthy, that you are valuable, that, you know, guys think you're hot. And so that gives you some sense of um, self-esteem or is there gaze like turning you on? Like, do you want to, do you want to be with that guy or do you want to actually get to know him? Do you want to get to know his family? Do you want to go out with him? Do you want to have coffee with him? Do you want to have dinner with him? Right? So these are, these are questions for people to ask themselves, but I also feel like until you've had some experiences with women, it's really hard to know, you know, fully how you're identifying. So I, I just like to leave a lot of space for people. Yeah, absolutely. And also 
like there are so many reasons to have sex. I think that this is also a huge misconception about sexuality is there are so many different reasons to have sex. And there are people that are lesbian that have sex with men because mm-hmm. maybe they are needing some attachment or make, like physical contact or like intimacy or something like that. There are asexuals that have sex because they have a partner who enjoys it. And so they like to do that with them. Like, I, I do agree that like having that fluidity and not zeroing yourself in. And even if you do zero yourself in, not beating yourself up, not thinking that it's like a hard border that you can't cross. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like it's sexuality in general, like you, the idea that it's set is kind of like a, like human construct and just like gender. And it's like, just have it, keeping it fluid is way better for people that are struggling with this. Yeah. And like, really, honestly, it's better for everybody. Everybody. I like, okay. So, uh, this is back to the gender thing, but I was talking to my partner about this and everything. And I had a question for them where I was like, if you, if these gender roles were not put on you. Um, my partner is uh, assigned male at birth. So I was like, if like male gender roles were not put on you, do you think you even would identify as non-binary? Do, like, cause if we took all this away, all of these labels and all these things, of course we can't take them away now because we're working to kind of break that, um, barrier. But like, if one day we get to a point where they're not important, people aren't going to struggle to figure out what they are because they can just not have a label they could just be who they are mm-hmm. and it won't be like have to be labeled which is crazy so yeah but on that subject though so we talked about like your attraction to men something that I think one can resonate with like bisexual people because I know that I struggle with this and I'm sure also also elder women that are coming out how do you also distinguish what suggest for your clients to distinguish what is actual attraction with women, because I have experienced this and I've talked to so many people like women who have experienced this where, because we are taught the compulsive heterosexuality, we don't really recognize when we're attracted to somebody, a woman, we kind of push it away as like, Oh, you want to be a friend, a friend with them or, Oh, you're jealous of them. And you want to like, kind of look like them or something like that. Yeah. How do you, suggest that your clients kind of help distinguish between those. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting. I found that this is, this is one of these things that I, I ask people and it's like, um, do you, do you want to, what is it? It's, it's, do you like them or do you want to look like them? Or let's like, do you like them or do you want to like be them? Right. There's like this, this thing where, um, especially, um, I mean, I think it goes across the genders. I'm thinking now to like one of my past partners who was androgynous and, but identified as, as female. And she always had crushes on men. Um, but her crushes on men were not in any way sexual. She did not want to be with a man. In fact, she had never been with a man. Um, But she really was attracted to men in a way where she wanted to be like them. Yeah. So she saw the way they dressed and she saw the way they moved and she appreciated their physicality and she would get these big crushes on men, but they were zero sexual. They were really like, um, you know, she wanted to be around them. She loved their energy. She wanted some of that for herself. She wanted to walk around and kind of like take that on for herself, um, which is very different than being actually attracted sexually and wanting to be with somebody, right? Those feelings are different. So I think with women, um, that also can be, it's a really, it's a, it's a tough place to figure out. I think it can be tough for people to figure out who they're even attracted to. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've, and I've heard women say, Um, you know, I've only ever been attracted to this one woman. And so maybe it's just her and maybe I'm actually straight and I'm only attracted and in love 
with this one woman. But if, if she didn't exist and I wasn't with her, I, maybe I'd go back to being straight. And, you know, so this is like a really, um, complex topic. Um, you know, when you have a crush, what is that crush is the crush that you want to be like her or do you like her? Right. Do you want to be with her in a, in a romantic or sexual way? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Uh, I, I definitely have heard so many people say it the other way where they're like, yeah, I identify as bisexual only because I'm attracted to my boyfriend. If I wasn't with my boyfriend, I'd be lesbian. And I think like also part of the like struggle to figure out who you're attracted with is because of like social media and just media in general and how we portray what is attractive for women and men and how it's supposed to be this clean cut, very specific type of person that not everyone is attracted to. And so if that's what you're shown as attractive your whole life and you're like, I'm not really attracted to that, then you kind of just brush it off as like, I'm not attracted to that gender in general. Yeah, I think it, I think it's that I've also seen, you know, I've seen women who are extreme, have tons of internalized homophobia that maybe grew up, um, you know, in a very um, religious home or in the South that, um, really struggle. So identify as, as lesbian, um, but really struggle with being with women that have like more masculine energy, like, um, whether they're masculine of center or just more masculine energy or, or they just, um, you know, they just look more masculine that, that these women will only be with other women that are femme. Um, and I don't think, and I I know not only do I not think, I know it's not because they're not attracted to the other women. It's because that feels like not as accepted because of their internalized homophobia, that if they're going to be with a woman, they need to be with a woman that's super feminine. And then what I see happen sometimes in these relationships is that it's just not really a match. And so there can be difficulty with sexual energy in terms of, you know, just top and bottom and, or switchy or, you know, um, giving and receiving and all of that kind of stuff. So this gets just so, I mean, this is, this topic can just go forever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. Yes. No, it definitely can. Cause like, how do you, how do you find that those kind of things really influence people's sexuality? Like what, how they give and receive love based on gender roles? Like, uh, sorry if I worded that weird, but like, if Say someone is a woman and I guess you're also taught that kind of women are supposed to like give, give, give and give. How does that really affect someone's identity of themselves and their sexuality? I mean, interestingly, like women are supposed to give, give, give. And I guess that's kind of what's expected in a caretaker way. But I don't know when it comes to sexuality um, and being like a sexual being, I sometimes view women more that straight women kind of having a little bit more of like a receiving energy. Um, you know, the, the more feminine they are, right. This would be like stereotypical, which, you know, nobody likes any of that, but, um, you know, straight women being more on the receiving end, um, the ones being pursued compared to pursuing, Exactly. Exactly. Like, like straight women, you know, many straight women that I see, um, in my, even in my therapy practice that are dating, you know, in their thirties and they're dating, they're, they're straight, they're dating men, you know, they go out on a date. They feel like they can't contact the guy after the first date. And I'm like, why? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, why? <laughs> like what, like where, what, what age are we in here? I can't um, be the first to text him. I swear. Exactly. Like, just do Ex- it. <laughs> right. Or I can't ask him out for another date or I can't, I have to sit back and wait for him. Right. So, so there's this like receiving energy. I need to sit back and wait. Um, and you know, Yeah. So, so in terms of, and then, you know, I need to lay back and be penetrated. I mean, I don't know that that can have a more feminine energy in ways, right. It can be perceived that way. Um, I think, 
that something that's, that is really fun is just like really being able to be all of that, like just being able to be really fluid, right. Being able to be top bottom and, and everything in between. And that, um, you know, when you're not straight or queer, you sometimes people feel like they just have more space to, to try all those things out. Right. Because it's not just, um, it's not just straight sex. Um, you know, when I ask straight couples in my therapy practice, um, you know, straight couples come in and they say, we're not having any sex and we want our sex life to improve. And I say, okay, like, let me know what your definition is of having sex. Like what is having sex mean to you? And I can't tell you how many straight couples say it's intercourse and an orgasm. That's what sex is. No. <laughs> right. So yes. Yeah. So the definition of sex when you're queer is so broad, you know, and it's, it's so many things, but when you're straight, you know, it's intercourse and an orgasm. And in that case, like if you're the woman you're receiving, um, and, and the man is giving. And yeah. so, yeah. So and I mean, that's, times, sorry, I interrupt you, but like also a lot of times women don't orgasm from just penetration sex. And so you're having a lot of like maybe in unsatisfied women in that situation because they're not getting what they need. Correct. Unless they use a vibrator or they use their hands. Yes. Women typically do not orgasm through intercourse. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting that you say that though, because like ever since I came out, I definitely have explored that even with like, even with men, I've explored that idea of being more assertive and just in general have had better sex because I have been able to just push that aside and be like, I can kind of do whatever I want right now because I'm queer. I don't have to like pretend like I'm not into certain things. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's why the compulsory heterosexuality is so, um, it's so boxy, you know, it's so limiting, right? Because if we didn't have that and if we didn't have, um, any sexualities or any genders or any of that, we could just have sex however we want to. Um, there would be no no roles for anybody. Nobody would have to play any role, you know, and it would just open things up, I think, for everybody. But things become so rote and there are so many expectations. And, and therefore, there are I mean, there are so many women who are just unsatisfied sexually in their relationships and don't feel like there's anything they can do about it. Like this is what they have to do. This is what they're supposed to do. This is what they've committed to do. They've they're legally bound to have sex with their husbands, even though they don't want to and they're not enjoying it. That makes me so sad. <laughs> I know. idea of like people being unsatisfied in their relationships as far as sex and like I'm always like, you guys, let's all make sure we're all orgasming. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> Greetings, ladies and LGBTQI pluses. This is Reed, Abby's partner. Just here to remind you to make sure you follow us on Instagram at Sweet Baby Gay Pod. And make sure you subscribe to us on wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure if you like our material, share with your friends and give us five stars if you have Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Say thank you and goodbye. Say thank you and for people in these relationships where they've like been with a man for so long and maybe they're questioning, what do you think are some of the signs that this might be what's happening to them? So the compulsory heterosexuality, you mean? Yes. Yes. Sorry. Yes. How, how, what are like some warning signs that that is why someone is unsatisfied in their sexual life? Um, so yeah, so I'm trying to figure out exactly how to how to answer the question. Um, so what I what what I think you're asking is this is kind of what I'm hearing you say is like what are some of the signs that straight people that have been um under the construct of compulsory heterosexuality what are some of the the red flags that they're missing that they might not be straight 
Is that what you're asking? Yes. Yes. Sorry for wording that. Yes. Okay. No, that's I think okay. Red flags is a great example. So yeah. What are the red flags for yeah, someone in a straight relationship? It's so funny because it's so funny because my, my partner and I, because she's a late bloomer, um, we do red flags all the time. It's like a game for us. I mean, I I'm that. like red flag, red flag. It's Ooh, hilarious. Tell me some, um, what are some? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, hers are kind of like, okay. So one of them is, um, you know, your friends are talking about their sex lives. They're, you know, your straight friends are talking about their sex lives. They're really excited about it. You know, they're telling you about their great sex that they had and, you're just not relating in any way, shape or form that sex is like this thing that you do, but it's really, um, you know, it's not that important. Um, you masturbate, right? You're into self-pleasure, but when it comes to having sex with your husband, um, it's kind of obligatory. And if it's good, it's kind of like the cherry on top, (laughs) Yeah, but, but it's not, it's not something that's like that important. You know, it's really just like the cherry on top that, that can be a little bit of a red flag, right? Like something's going on there. Um, you know, it might, it, it, it might be something you want to look into a little bit more. Um, let's see, what are other things? Um, the idea that women have that they're going to have another life sometime, sometime Uh, in the future, they're going to be living another life. There's nothing specific. They don't tell themselves anything specific about this other life, but at some point in the future, I am going to live another life. Wow. Like my real life is just waiting to begin. Like totally. And that one's very common. I had that. And almost all of the women many of the women that are married to men have that feeling that I'm going to have another life. Does the feeling kind of relate? Do you find that they also relate that other life to not being with their husband? Or is he's that not, not, yeah, good? no, he's, it's, it's another, it's like, I'm going to have another life. That's not this one that I'm living right now. Yeah. Wow. I've never thought about that. Wow. Yeah, that's very common. And and when I do talk about that and post about that, women actually reach out to me and say that thing you said about having another life, that's me. That one really resonates for a lot of women. Yeah, because I could see that being something that if that gets in your head, you kind of fixate on without even realizing it, that you're constantly daydreaming about it or like, and I could just see that being something that you don't even realize why you're doing that. Absolutely. Then the other one is like, if you're reading lesbian novels and you're renting <laughs> lesbian movies and, um, you know, watching like lesbian porn and stuff watching like that. lesbian porn. And when you are self-pleasuring, you're fantasizing about being with a woman. Um, those are all signs. Yeah. That was one for me that I like had to kind of come to a realization where I was like, Ooh, where I would like enjoy like lesbian content and then be like that everyone does this. And it's that same thing where like for bisexual women, everyone, they're like, well, everyone has a little bit of a crushes on women. It's like, no, no, they don't. Exactly. If you think that you're gay. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, yesterday on TikTok, somebody, um, commented on one of my, one of my TikToks and she said, um, I'm, she said, mm, I'm still questioning, you know, about a year ago, I looked, I started looking at lesbian TikTok, but I'm still really not sure, um, you know, how to identify or if I'm even gay. And I was just like, okay, well, if for the last year you've been looking at lesbian TikTok, you're definitely not straight. Like <sighs> are not on lesbian TikTok. They're just not. Lesbian TikTok will get you. I will say that if there's anything that could test that you could figure out what your sexuality is, it is TikTok. It will figure <laughs> it out. <laughs> they know what you're thinking and they will put it in front of you. <laughs> so funny. So funny. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. And also like, cause I, I have like a lot of like straight family and friends and everything. And like, there'd be like trends on TikTok 
and I would be talking to them about it. I'd be like, oh my God, have you heard this song? Like, blah, blah, blah. They'd be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm just like, I always forget that I'm on a totally different side of TikTok than you. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. That's so funny. Yeah. I think so. And I think some of the other ones, I mean, the ones I point out to my current partner are more like when we're together and I kind of tease her a little bit, you know, like um, if I get out of the shower, um, you know, and she walks by the bathroom, you know, she'll kind of like stop and just be like, you know, and, (laughs) and I always tease her and I'm like, well, you know, was this your reaction when you were with your husband, you know, and like, would you do that when he got out of the shower and she would be like, no. And I'm like, Oh, red flag, you know, there we are. Um, you know, so those kinds of things I think are just really, really cute. And uh, (laughs) that's a really cute one. Um, what do you suggest for somebody this just, that kind of like triggered a little thought in my brain because I tend to not, I'm not a very visual, visual person. Mm -hmm. Um, so I tend to not with any partner I've had male, woman, non-binary, I tend to not like stare at their body. Mm -hmm. Um, what, but for me, it's more of like a physical thing. And I, yes, I think that's more why I, cause I identify, I say bisexual too, when I'm talking to just anybody, but I identify as pansexual for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that that's common and how do you suggest people tackle that? Yeah. And like, maybe it's not really something that you have to tackle. Right. Um, because it, it's not like you're not getting turned on. And, and I would say, actually, I probably very much relate to what you're saying. So for me, it's also not visual. I'm not a visual person when it comes to human bodies. Um, you know, they're to me, like a body is a body. Um, it's much yeah. more about the person. And for me, it's really about the energy and yes. what kind of energy the person has. It's not at all about the physicality. It's not at all about the shape of the body. Zero of that. I said that so much. It's the vibe that someone's getting off that I'm attracted to and how I connect with them, not how they look. Exactly. So I think energy is something to, um, you know, if you're not someone who, you know, is visually excited by bodies that connecting energetically and just being sensitive to the kinds of energy that are around you and what kind of energy is like kind of making you feel a little bit more sparkly and um, <laughs> like piquing your curiosity and kind of just giving you like those little turn on tingles, like the energy is is important. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also important for anyone that's not visual as well, because I don't know. Sometimes visual can be a little misleading. <laughs> you can be like, ah, I'm attracted to this person, but then it not work out. Yeah. 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 Everybody should pay attention to energy. If you pay attention to energy, I think you're just, you're just doing yourself a big favor because I, I totally agree. If you're just paying attention only to the physicality, you might be really, really disappointed in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you climb into bed and you're like, mm, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Exactly. Exactly. So common. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> I actually, so I guess I kind of wanted to like switch gears a little bit. Um, And I kind of want to talk about what more about the things that lead to compulsive heterosexuality, specifically like how, what are some things that uh, society puts on to you, whether that's like religion or how your parents raise you or how school is and everything that result in these types of relationships. Yeah. I mean, I think compulsory heterosexuality is just, it's, 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 it's sort of, um, what do I, how do I want to say it? It's like, it's kind of like the silent, Um, it's like the silent norm in a way that's so accepted and it's so insidious. It's everywhere. It's like, um, you know, it's like being a parent and having children and going to, um, your parents' house with your children and one of your parents. So your children's grandparents saying, so, you know, what, what boy are you interested in Yeah, to, to the girl or, or to the boy, um, you know, so you got a girlfriend yet, right? Like these kinds of things, it's just everywhere. Um, 
and it's so damaging. Um, and I, I just can't stand it. Um, but you know, I think that because we are human and because this construct exists and because we want to not want to, but we are wired to have our, um, basic needs met our survival needs. Like we're wired in a way to get our basic needs for survival met by our caretakers. So our bodies and our systems will do whatever they need to do in order to make sure that we can survive and thrive. And what that means is no matter what environment you grow up in, um, as a small person with no tools other than your system and the wiring that it comes with, we end up trying, um, our systems try to protect us and just get us what we need by pleasing those around us. And so if that includes um, doing what is expected of you in order to please your caretaker so that they will continue to care for you so that you can survive, then that is what humans will do. And so, you know, this construct is, it's just there. Um, it's been there. I'm sure that, you know, eons ago when some, you know, cis white, um, hetero men were sitting around and deciding how, um, civilization was going to continue, um, and kind of, you know, do the best that it can do. They came up with this idea of compulsory heterosexuality and that, okay, you know, women are going to be the, you know, they give birth. So they're going to be with a man and they're going to have as many children as they possibly can so that they can, you know, run the farm and keep things moving. And, um, you know, this is the way we're going to populate um, the state or the country or whatever it is, you know, it's just, it was this idea that they had of like, these are the roles that people are going to play. And this is the way civilization is going to advance and move forward. Um, and you know, I don't know if it was, if it was, um, you know, if they thought of it as like a damaging thing when they thought of it, but at the end of the day, it just doesn't leave space for people to be whatever it is that they actually are because they have this path that they're supposed to follow. And if they follow it, they're doing the right thing. And, you know, especially with religion, it's like, well, if you do the right thing, then, you know, in the afterlife, you're going to go to heaven and you're going to have all these wonderful things. But if you don't do the right thing, then you're going to go to hell and, um, I mean, it's just, it's like so insidious and so everywhere. It's um, always yeah. leads back to white patriarchy. And like, I'm so happy that and grateful that I am like alive right now and experience like in experiencing life in this time, because I think that we're finally tackling this, not only with like sexuality and gender expression, but with everything, our entire society is like, structured because of this. Mm -hmm. And I think I was very, and I'm sure so many other people, I was very blind to this even before the pandemic. Like, of course I talked about it some, but like, it's only really recently that it's really, people are really tackling this and really being like, we've got to figure this out and how we're going to undo these things and how it's actually affecting so many people. And it's just, yeah. I, I'm just like, yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm also curious if they like had a meeting. Did y'all just sit around a table and like decide on this? That's what I think. That's, that's <laughs> really? what I picture in my mind. That's you what know? I'm picturing. I'm picturing a bunch of people with like big white beards. And, exactly. Like, the big white hair. Doing the white that. hair. Yeah. <laughs> it was like right after they signed the Declaration of Independence. Right? They were like, all right, <laughs> let's talk about this now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so interesting though, Ugh. but, the, but the other piece of it that I find really interesting too, is that, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know if it's human nature. I'm not, yeah, I guess so. I think our brains like certainty and our brains like to just know things and have things figured out. And so being in, um, uncertainty. And when I say uncertainty, what I mean is 
things that are not structured for you and therefore like a path that is not laid out for you and you don't know what you're supposed to do and you don't know how to do it and you don't know the steps to get there and you don't know how to make everybody around you happy. For some people that feels really terrifying and the idea of leaving compulsory heterosexuality behind and entering into a more self-led um, uncertain make of it, whatever you want to make of it kind of time in life feels terrifying. How are they going to make people happy? How are they going to, you know, um, make sure people are pleased with them and think that they're a good person and this and that. So it's also surprising to just see how this idea, because I love the idea of breaking down the box. I'm like, let's get rid of all the boxes, you know? And people are like, no, 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 I actually really <laughs> like the box. Like, how am I supposed to know how I'm doing if I don't have the box? Yeah. And you're like guaranteed, like you're told that you're guaranteed happiness and guaranteed this great life if you stay within the box. And like, if you leave it, you're just like, I I, I don't know if I'm going to have a good life. I don't know if that's going to be better than what I have that everyone says is great. Right. Yeah. What do you suggest people do as like a first step towards getting outside of that box if they feel like that's what they need to do? I mean, I start everything with curiosity. Like to me, curiosity is the key to yourself. Um, And so, you know, looking inside to really see how these things that you know what you're supposed to do and how you're going to please everybody else and how that's actually affecting you. And is that really working for you? What kind of feelings are you having um, in relation to doing this thing that's making everybody else happy, um, but you're numb or you're using too many drugs or um, you're working all the time or you're feeling really depressed or anxious Um, you know, let's be curious about this. Um, and so I like to do just more like kind of like internal turning inward and starting to, um, I don't know, just notice the parts of you that are telling you things, uh, you know, well, you're going to let this person down and you're going to be disappointing and you're just a bad person. And, you know, the parts of you that self-sabotage and whatnot. And then also, uh, when do you feel the most truly calm and connected to yourself? When do you feel grounded and centered and like really in yourself and, and starting to be curious about your different states of being. Yeah. Have you ever read the book um, Untamed? I think yeah. is the name. Yeah, of course. Yeah, my friend. So it was my cousin. And um, weirdly enough, she's not weirdly enough, but like she's straight. Um, but she read that book when she was coming out of her um, out of her uh, marriage. And she recommended to me because around the same time I was going through a really big breakup and she thought it would really resonate with me. And she talks about, I'm forgetting the author's name, but she talks about how she every day would like sit in her closet and meditate. And that that was her way of connecting with that. She found her like inner voice and that took a long time, but it finally got there where she found her inner voice that would kind of direct her in the way and tell her what she wants and not what everyone else wants. Exactly. Yeah. I I call it parts work, but it's the same concept. It's it's being able to to be with yourself and to go inside and to connect to where is your self energy? How can you be self-led and not led by the parts of you that developed early in life that are there to keep you safe and make sure you keep getting the care that little you needed from all those around you? How can you Um, show those parts of you that are doing that, that you're now an adult. You're no longer this little kid, right? You're actually taking care of yourself and you're no longer living under your parents' roof and um, get them to quiet down a little bit and soften a little bit, usually by showing them a lot of gratitude and appreciation. So I love meditations. I use meditations in um, in my program uh, with the women that I'm working with. it's, it's very, very helpful. Yeah. I've 
I struggle with meditation. Um, and I think that that's kind of normal when you start meditation, um, probably, but I hear so many people talk about it and how much it like changes their life and changes the way that they wire their brain. And it's really something that I like aspire to be able to do because I think that it, in this day and age, it's really hard to connect with your inner self. It's really hard because there's so much going on around us and we're connected with everyone constantly that it's really hard to kind of shut that out and think, what do I want without texting your best friend, calling your mom and like figuring it out instead of sitting with yourself and like figuring it out yourself. Yeah, I agree. I think it has, it has become much more difficult. Um, I think that there's, you know, it's so easy now to reach out to people and get instant responses much easier than it was when I was younger. Um, But I always tell people like, all the answers to everything you need to know about yourself are already inside of you. So it's about being able to connect to yourself and get to know yourself and to know your system and how it functions. And your system has the answers. Yeah. 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 That's just, yeah, that's something that I'm very curious about because I, I'm I'm young. I still have to like go through a lot of life experience to like figure all this out. And like, I think I can really resonate with that idea of like having to find your inner self. Yeah. And, and you know, sitting and doing um, just silent meditation is very difficult. So I totally understand what you're saying. Um, I'm not great at that either, but there are lots of like guided meditations. And that's the types of meditation that I um, work with my clients through doing guided meditation. So I kind of lead them in and, um, help them, you know, really discover like what, what is their, um, what is their self energy? What does that feel like in their body? And what is parts of them that are jumping in to hijack them, um, and starting to create relationships between their self, their adult self and, their parts that are there to like protect them, but also take over their system thinking that they're still really little and that they have no tools. And I help people just create relationships, like internal relationships with all the parts of themselves so that they can live a very self-led life. Yeah. Healing your inner child. (laughs) All of that. Yep. Yes. Yes. How do you suggest people? So I personally, I am on, um, I don't even have kids, but I'm on uh, gentle parenting TikTok because that tends to just comfort me for some reason. But how do you suggest people that have kids and maybe want to make sure that these societal norms aren't put on them? How do you suggest that they kind of start tackling that? Um, you know, I think just exposing them to, um, to more, um, media, um, whether that's, uh, movies or shows or books, you know, starting with little kids, read books about, um, polyamorous families, read books about same-sex families, like, um, you know, really about everything, like, like everything that's outside of just, um, you know, privileged white folks, like read, you know, read books with pictures about everything, show all kinds of representation to your children, talk to them about it. Um, and then also just let them know that like, however they express themselves, like whatever their gender expression is works. Like don't, you know, don't tell your child, you can't wear that princess dress out into the street because you're a boy. Um, you know, and it might be hard, right? It might be it it might be hard to do and it might be hard for the parent and maybe that child might face people looking at them, but like that's okay, we've got to start doing these things so that there's more comfort everywhere with it. Um, you know, and also just like um just letting them know, like, you can love a, you can love a girl, you can love a boy. Like there's, you can love anybody like you, you, it's not about gender, you know, even when they come home and they say, no, 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 that's not possible. I've hear, hear some of my clients, kids coming home really like in kindergarten and first grade telling them 
no, two girls can't like each other. It has to be a boy and a girl. I mean, they start like by four, five, six years old. They already are saying these things. That drives me crazy because then we're talking, sorry, I'm going to get on a little tangent here, but like then we're talking (laughs) about all these laws about like, don't say gay. We can't teach the arts. Teachers can't be teaching our children about, about homosexuality and all this stuff. When it's like, we're already at that age teaching them so much about heterosexuality. Like we're already exactly. so much. Why can't we be teaching them all different sides of it? And like people that are saying, oh, well, it's about not teaching your children about sex. It's like no one's saying that we should teach them about sex. No one's saying that we should teach them about how sex between a man and a man works or anything like that. We're saying we should teach them how the love between everybody works. Yes, yeah, and that that just drives me crazy when people use that argument because like, and I fed into it too. I remember there was one time when my brother was like growing up and I asked him if he had a girlfriend, like I have fed into it too. And I think all of us have, and we all just kind of have to look at it. And like, instead of being uncomfortable and trying away from that, kind of tackling it and sorry, that's my, yeah, rant. yeah, no, I, I, it really is as you said, it's everywhere. And that's why I say it's just this construct is like so insidious. It's just, it's inside of every little corner. And, um, I don't really know how we sweep those corners out and get rid of it. Um, but I, I love love as one way, which is just, um, just leading with love, right. Just leading with, um, Love is something that's available to all of us and who, whoever you love, that's okay. Like it's, it's just about love. You know, it's not about gender. It's not about orientation. Um, it's just about love. And if that is what is resonating inside of your system, then that's beautiful. And how can we uphold that regardless of anything else how like how disgusting of is it to like look at someone and say I know you're in love but that's wrong like that's horrifying like you're trying to like suppress someone's amazing feelings someone that everyone craves in life and like who cares where someone else is getting it from Right. But people do. And that's because there's, you know, a lot of that is comes from religion. Um, you know, you need to be with someone of the exact same religion as you. Um, you need to be with someone of the same background as you. You need to be someone of the same class as you. You need to be someone the same color skin as you. You need to be with someone the same education as you. Um, you know, you can only be with the opposite sex. And if you're not, then you're, you know, living a sinful life and you are going to go to hell. I mean, it's just, it's just everywhere. That's kind of funny that everything is, you have to be with someone that's the same as you, but then except for your gender, you have to be with someone of the opposite sex, Yeah, but everything else, make sure it's the exact same. Right. Which I kind of find a little funny. Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, and they get to that, right. Cause of uh, procreation and this is the way that we're going to keep civilization and keep populating the world, which not is going to run out of heterosexuality. Like we're not going to run out of straight people. Like, yeah. And, we, and we have an overpopulated world. We so. really do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And like, just because you're queer doesn't mean you can't have children. Like, we absolutely. Can still, we can still populate the world. Like, even if it's two people of the same sex, we have technology, we can still populate the world. I don't get why that's, I get why that's a thought from like back in the day. Yes. Not that I don't condone it, but I get it. Why is that even our argument anymore? Yeah. Well, it's just being stuck back in the day and not being open to the new ideas of, of today and of reality. Yeah. And I think also the idea that like, if you see someone kind of living this life that they want to live and being free and you haven't done that, the idea that, that, that if you have not done that, then you're going to be kind of offended by that because you don't want to think about how you could have lived a different life. Yes. I always say that when somebody has a problem with your sexuality, that it's really just about them. Yeah. If they have a problem, it's about them. It's not about you. Yeah. 
I, I fully believe that too. Like if someone, I, I fully believe that, especially when it comes from like a religious aspect or something like that, where they're saying you can't feel this way because of this. And they're so, so like strict about it. It's like, I feel like you have suppressed this yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything that we didn't touch on that you kind of wanted to make sure that we talked about? Um, I have a free three-part mini course on compulsory uh, heterosexuality and how to break free from it. So if anybody is interested in that um, on my website, curiousquestioningandcomingout.com, there is a free mini workshop. Okay. I'm definitely going to look into that. that. I'm very fascinated by that. Everything. I hope that a lot of my listeners do too. Um, yeah. Do you have any, um, I always like to end with this. Do you have any advice for any of the baby gays out there kind of going through life? I keep doing what you're doing. You know, I mean, I work with the, not with the baby gays. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I typically don't see the baby gays, but I do have baby gays in my therapy practice and yeah. I just, I just love them. And, um, you know, you guys are awesome. And, um, you are, you are the world, like you have the world in your hands. So the change is going to come from you and just keep doing what you're doing. Just be out and be proud. Yes. And hopefully the more people that do that, the less late bloomers will have that need to come to you. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, do you want to tell, so we know where your website is. Is there anywhere else that our listeners can find you? Yeah, I am on TikTok. Um, I'm the lesbian curiosity coach. And on Instagram, I am at curious questioning coming out no end. Okay. Oh, cool. I also have a YouTube channel, um, uh, which is also curious questioning and coming out. Okay. Do you post like um, just content about videos about compulsive heterosexuality? Um. No, they're really about coming out later, um, you know, leaving your marriage, um, grief and excitement. Um, how do you have both of those at the same time? Um, oh, oh, somebody asked me a strap on sex heteronormative. I mean, just all <laughs> kinds of videos. It's, it's all free content. I do tons of free content for anybody who is coming out later in life that has been dating, partnered with, married to, separated, divorced from men. Um, so I really just work with, that is my um, like subset of the LGBTQ population that I specialize in working with. So it's lots of content for those folks. Yes. That's so amazing. Um, that's so amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yes. 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 